Well, arguably one of the best, if not the best, um, sitcom ever in the history of the world, specifically an animated cartoon back in the 1960s, the great cartoon, The Flintstones. Anybody in the house remember The Flintstones back in... Trevor, are you old enough to know about The Flintstones? You do know about... Bet, Betsy, Betsy Flintstone, all the way, all the way? Yeah, um, I remember as a kid growing up and watching um, The Flintstones, this um, cartoon about uh, this family that lived in uh, the Stone Age, um, but had the 20th century, some 20th century luxuries um, about their life. Well, one of the, um, I mean, you remember Fred and Wilma, uh, you remember, um, what, are, what, are their, what are their friends' uh, names? There you go, um, Barney and Betty. And uh, what is one of the most fascinating things I remember as, as a kid uh, watching this, this show is that they, um, that they had this car that somehow it, it had these huge stone rollers on the front, these, these huge boulders uh, that had been carved in the shape of a, a sphere or circle, um, and then they had logs that connected them, and then they would put like 45 people on this car, and then somehow Fred Flintstone still had the ability with his little feet uh, to push that car um, wherever it went. The interesting thing about that car that the Flintstones had was it had no engine, Right? I mean, you, you, remember, you see the picture, you remember seeing his feet kind of dangling under, underneath it, and he, everywhere they went, uh, the, the way that they were propelled along was by their feet. Well, anybody that is um, paying any attention uh, to that reality recognizes that that is completely uh, fake. There's, that, that, that is a world that is a reality that does not exist. If the car really has these stone boulders on the front and the back, with 45 people in it, um, it's probably going to weigh about 10,000 pounds, which no human with their feet uh, can actually push that kind of vehicle. Uh, the idea is that this is completely made up and that um, really the, the car was engine-less. Um, it, was, it was engine-less, and meaning, um, meaning in true reality that car had the ability to go nowhere or maybe it could go just barely somewhere on uh, Fred's own strength. Uh, I would like to um, encourage you today and to um, ask you today kind of a, a personal question as we dive in this morning. And on a spiritual sense, uh, does your car spiritually have an engine? Um, spiritually, in your spiritual life, the scriptures talk about uh, being spiritually dead, but then being made spiritually alive. And I think the, the question that I want to ask today that I want us to uh, consider is, is there a spiritual engine in your life? Now, um, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, familiar with, with, with church, that engine that we're talking about is it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Last week, we, as we begin this, this book of Acts, uh, this series, Church on the Move, we talked about how God, the God that we worship, the God that we know, um, the way that we put language around understanding this God is that he's a Trinitarian God, meaning he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we can't quite grasp that, but he's one, but he's also three persons, or he has three persons that, that make him who he is. And he is Father, he is God the Father, and he's God the Son, which is Jesus Christ. And he's God the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. 
Anybody back in the day grow up in, in, in your church, you, they said the Holy Ghost. Look at any Holy Ghost people uh, in the house. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Back in, the, back in the day, Pastor Chris, the old King James, it was Holy Ghost all the way. It was King J- Holy Ghost all the way. Um, I'd like to ask um, you a question today. Whether you've been around for a long time, whether you're new, whether church thing is kind of old hat for you, um, or whether you're brand new, I want to ask you a question that um, I think will cause in some people um, a level of consternation um, that I'm okay with. I think it is okay that sometimes I can create um, a problem that I don't need to create, uh, but sometimes I think there are some problems that I do need to create. Um, as your pastor, uh, questions that, that maybe no one else is going to ask you, uh, questions that you need to wrestle with and you need to grapple with. And the question that I would want to ask you today is this, do you have the Holy Spirit? In some ways, uh, kind of a simple question but an internal look spiritually on do you have the Holy Spirit in you? And the, the reality is that um, we can kind of do church um, if you've been around this for a while. Um, you can go to church. You can kind of do the church thing. You can figure out how to be a moral person figure out how to do the right things, live the right way. You can put some money in the, well, we don't pass the offering plates or buckets anymore these days, but you can give online, you can text your money, you can, you can participate, you can participate in the, let's, let's call it the religious activities of the church. There's a difference between participating in religious activities and actually having the Holy Spirit. Um, And today what I would like for us to consider is that um, we as the church, our engine individually and our engine as a people, as a body, as a faith community, our engine, it really is, it's the Holy Spirit, this mystical, out of the box, undefinable reality of God himself in you and in, in us. I'm trying to shake you up a little bit today. I'm trying to shake you up a little bit to your preconceived notions and your patterns of religious living and perhaps religious operating that we can arrive at as people who are churchgoers or people that are maybe interested in church or things that are spiritual. But I just don't want you to be satisfied with being someone that is religious or someone that is spiritual, but I want you to have a personal interaction relationship with God um, in your own life. Can I get an amen in the house? So if you would join me in the book of Acts chapter one, last week we um, started this brand new series, Church on the Move. Um, And today we are uh, continuing and last week and today serve really in as an introduction for the entire book. Um, part one last week and part two today. Uh, last week, the title was Kingdom uh, Continued, and the title for today is Spirit um, Continued. Um, last week, I argued that the, 
that the kingdom that, that Jesus was all about, this kingdom of Jesus, this, this way of living, this, this unique worldview, this new, unique perspective, this new group of people, this unique group of people, this thing that, king, that Jesus was instituting and establishing as a kingdom, a way of living, a, a way of operating, a, a new nation, a spiritual nation that you belong to, that what he began was continued um, with the church in the book of Acts. And I'll also say today that um, the ministry that Jesus was doing and everything that Jesus was doing was empowered by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus himself in relationship with the Holy Spirit, the scripture tells us, he received the Holy Spirit in a full sense and he operated from the Holy Spirit in his ministry. And then that process continued um, in the book of Acts. And so we're in Acts chapter one today. And I'm going to read uh, and walk us through these first few verses, um, and then we will uh, we'll dive in for the rest of it. Anybody still use a hard copy of the Bible, by the way? Anybody got one of these? You got to flip the pages and got to figure out where. But if you got the little, if you got the little thingy right here, you know, then you can. That's a little cheat. You can put it there. Okay. Um, Acts chapter one. <clears throat> Acts chapter one, it says this in verse one, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus, uh, in my Bible, if you could, if you could see, you, you can't quite see it, but I like to mark up my Bible and I like to circle things and I like to put things in boxes and then I like to draw lines from one thing to another thing. And then I like to write in the margins. I got a little, I got like an inch wide margin so I can write some things in and I underline and I'm a little bit OCD, so I have to actually use a straight line for my underline because I can't handle the squiggly lines. Um, but if you were able to look in my Bible, if you were up here close, you would see that I've got a green box around uh, the word Jesus. Luke says, I have dealt with um, all that Jesus began to do and teach. Luke is talking about his first um, book, which was the gospel of Luke. And then verse two says, until the day when he, Jesus was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. Now as well in my Bible, I've got with a green pen, I've got Holy Spirit, a square around the Holy Spirit. And then I've got a line between Holy Spirit and Jesus. And says to the apostles whom he had chosen, verse three, he presented himself alive to them, speaking after the resurrection, after his suffering, speaking of the cross, by many proofs appearing to them 40, 40 days. So Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, with these initial disciples after he was resurrected from the grave and speaking about the kingdom of God. I've got kingdom circled in a, in a red pen and I've got kingdom circled in a red pen down in verse six with a line connecting those two. And then verse four says this, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, these early Christians, but to wait for the promise of the father as well. I've got the word father with a green square around it. And then I've connected the lines between Jesus and Holy spirit. What Luke has done in these first four verses is he's mentioned Jesus, the son, he's mentioned the spirit, and he's mentioned the father. Here we have our Trinitarian God here at the very beginning of this book. And Jesus told his early disciples to stay in Jerusalem, which is where he was crucified and where he rose from the grave and wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me, verse five, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let me break this down just real quickly and real briefly. 
Um, John the baptizer, John the Baptist, sometimes he is referred to, was a forerunner to Jesus. He was this wilderness prophet who was bringing a message to the world that you needed to repent for the king is coming. You needed to repent for the kingdom of God is coming. You need to repent and be baptized. And these people, in response to hearing that this anointed Messiah was coming, would get baptized in, in, in water. But then there was a baptism that was coming. Baptism is Baptism is many ways a symbolic um, representation of what happens internally, spiritually. And let me just do this um, for a minute. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have never been baptized after becoming a follower of Jesus, you should be baptized. The reason is because that is Jesus' command, (laughs) Not because we're actually today at the 11 o'clock or baptizing someone today at the 11 o'clock, which is, which is awesome. We love to, we dunk people in the water all the time here at the bridge. I mean, if, if it was, if it was up to me, that thing would stay full of water all the time and we'd be baptizing people left and right. Um, we baptize, it's a, it's a symbolic representation of what happens spiritually in your life. When, when you are far from God, when you don't know God, when you are either religious trying to save yourself or irreligious trying to save yourself, regardless, when you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what Christ had done for you and you trusted Christ, you gave him your life, you gave him your sin, you gave him your past and you trusted him and you became a follower of, of Jesus, um, the, the activity, the action after that is to get baptized because that represents kind of what happened in your heart. The, the water um, re- represents death. And when you go under the water, it, it represents what Jesus did and he went in the grave. But then when you come up out of the water, it represents new life in him like Jesus rose from the grave. It's, it's spiritual. And there is, we still practice um, uh, baptism in, in that way, because Jesus commanded his disciples to go, go, go and go and make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. And so we, we still baptize and it, it's a, it's a odd, weird, uncomfortable, but amazingly joyous, um, picture to the world of that. You're a follower of Jesus. And you're like, that seems really weird. That's the point. It's supposed to be a little weird. Okay. Uh, so that the people that knew your former life are like, why is that person going under the water? It's supposed to testify of something that's happened in your heart. Now at this juncture, there's language here of, there's a different kind of baptism coming. Um, John was baptizing with water, but there's a different kind of baptism coming spiritually speaking, where it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you, you'll even see in some places the baptism of fire. The, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this immersion. Baptism means immersion. It's this immersion um, into the Holy Spirit. Um, right here, um, this is a great way for you to understand the, the book of Acts. What, what's happening right here in this, in this book um, at this juncture is Jesus is leaving and the Holy Spirit is coming. Okay, you're with me. That's how you can understand this, the the entire book of Acts, um, especially this, this moment, this moment, Jesus is leaving. His work is done. He lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we should have died. And then he conquered the grave that we, we couldn't conquer. Jesus work is done. Um, and he is leaving. He's getting ready to uh, ascend at the end of our passage into heaven. Jesus is leaving the Holy spirit 
is coming. And this is a, 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 a special moment in the history of God's people that has been talked about um, for generations and generations and generations, even in the prophet Joel, where God says, in those days, in the coming days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So that, that's, that's what's happening here. Now look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, these are the disciples, and they asked Jesus the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're so concerned about this kingdom that Jesus keeps talking about in this, this nation and this group of people. He says in verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. He basically says you're asking the wrong question, verse 8, but you will receive power. You're going to receive an engine. You're going to receive a new power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. This Holy Spirit is going to empower you to be a witness, to, be a, to testify, to share of this good news, to share of this love, to share of this hope. You receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in where? In Jerusalem, which was where they were located, kind of the, the center of the Christian movement. And then in Judea and Samaria, which were the two neighboring states, basically, you could say, the two neighboring regions. You're going to be my witnesses there. And he says, and to the end of the earth, which means this hope of the gospel, this, this hope that I have come, this kingdom that I have established, it's going to go to the end of the earth so that every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group can, can receive and can can hear and share in this same good news. And when he had said these things, verse nine, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Jesus is like, peace out. My work here is done. I would have been pretty ticked off personally. Um, Jesus, like, if you would stick around, we could have like the best church ever. I mean, Jesus, if you would just hang out for a little while longer, we like have a mega church. I mean, there's some... There's some amazing things that are happening. And Jesus, at the very peak of everything that he had done, he's like, I'm gone. He literally, he was lifted up. He literally ascended, and a cloud took him out of their sight, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, these are angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Somebody say, uh, Jesus um, was leaving. And somebody say, Holy Spirit is coming. Jesus is leaving. Jesus has done what he is needed to do. And now the Holy Spirit is, is coming. Uh, Jesus is, is gone. Holy Spirit has, has come. And so here's what um, I, I mentioned last week about what's, what's, what's happening here. What you need to understand in, 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 in order to understand the book of Acts is that um, the kingdom is the destination. Um, last Sunday, we, we walked through that extensively, that the, the kingdom of God is the goal. It's the bullseye. It's what we're about. It's what we're trying to do. It's what Jesus was about. It's what the people of God have always been about, a kingdom that, that God is going to reestablish, that he is establishing, in which we live under his rule and his reign, and we walk out the ways of the kingdom. And like Jesus' prayer to the Father, the Lord's prayer your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is the destination, but as well, the Holy Spirit is the engine. The Holy Spirit is the engine, the power that fuels us. And then number three, um, the church is the vehicle. 
the church is um, the vehicle, which means it is the church that is um, living this out and taking this um, to the world and to um, the nations. So here's, here's what I'd like to do. For the rest of our time, last Sunday, I, I devoted almost all of my time to the kingdom and what the kingdom is. Um, today, I want to devote all of my time to the Holy Spirit. And um, for the next few minutes, just a few minutes, um, talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit and, and what it means for us, what it means for us as a church. Uh, try to answer a few questions and then really try to kind of move us in a direction that I think is ultimately necessary for us and for our uh, um, um, body. So who is the Holy Spirit? Um, the Holy Spirit is God. Um, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to recognize that we're talking about God. When we talk about the activity of the Holy Spirit and the movement of the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit and all these things, we're talking about God. We're not talking about an it. We're not talking about a thing. We're talking about God. Just as if we were talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God in flesh. In the same way, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's important that we recognize that we're talking about God. And then what is, um, what, what, what is the role of the, the Holy Spirit? You, you need to understand that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit each have different roles. Uh, they each have different, you could say, responsibilities. They each have different job descriptions. They, they have different things in which they function in the way that they operate. When we look at the scriptures, what we see about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. We see that the Holy Spirit is an empowerer who empowers us and the church. We see that the Holy Spirit is a teacher and a revealer teaching us. We see that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We see that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness. We see that the Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Many things that we see um, what the Holy Spirit does and, and how the Holy Spirit works. Um, this week, I kind of did a deep dive study um, into all the ways that the New Testament talks about the movement of the Holy Spirit and the ways the Holy Spirit works. I found 25 different things um, that are specific about the way that the Holy Spirit works. I won't go through the entire list, but specifically receiving the Holy Spirit. The regeneration or the rebirth of the justification of salvation through the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, rejoicing in the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, filling of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, leading of the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit, the sanctification of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, the fellowship of the Spirit, the joy of the Spirit. There's a lot. Um, there, there, there's, there's a lot, um, which means the activity and the, the ways in which the Holy Spirit works among us are so necessary and, and so vital. There's a tendency within churches kind of like ours or churches that maybe, maybe in evangelicalism, maybe churches that might be similar to ours. There's a there's a tendency and there's a danger that we've got to be very, very cautious of, and that is not to make the Trinity the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. There is a tendency for churches that love the Word. There's a tendency for churches that have a high view of Scripture. There's a tendency for churches that love the teaching and the preaching of the Word to end up in a place where we begin to operate like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And we, we need to recognize that we have to have the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives and our church if we actually want to see kingdom come. If we actually want to see the work of the kingdom happen. If we want to see um, lives changed and, and people transformed and people delivered and our city changed. Um, it's going to take the Holy Spirit. So let me give you a few um, affirmations that I think will be helpful for us as we think about the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. Scripture is clear. The Holy Spirit moves today just as he did in the early church. Okay? I, we just all need to recognize the Holy Spirit isn't a thing of the past. All right? It wasn't like the Holy Spirit, he was like good at Bible times, and then now he's gone. No, the no, Holy Spirit is still present and still moving and still active just as he ever, as he always has been. Um, and there are some, some groups with, within Christianity where um, they operate and, and act like the Holy Spirit. He's kind of done. He's kind of done so. He like did some stuff. We got the Bible and now we're good to go and we can kind of do it on our own. That's a harsh generalization of that perspective. Uh, but we, we need to recognize that the continuation of the Holy Spirit into our days is just as he's just as alive today as he, he's ever been. Um, and we need to, to recognize that the expectation for us is that the Holy Spirit is still moving today and operating today, just as, as he did in, in the early church. Um, and he's accomplishing um, the work and he's filling us and he's gifting us and he's working and he's moving in us just as he did in the early church. Here's, here's the next one. Scripture is clear. The work of salvation cannot be accomplished apart from the Holy Spirit. Scripture is clear that salvation, the, the spiritual being reborn, the spiritual rebirth, knowing Christ, trusting Christ, becoming alive, that cannot happen with, without the Holy Spirit. Um, that can't happen without the Holy Spirit moving in in someone's life and awaking them and giving them faith to trust in this, in this thing that we call the gospel. You, you need to recognize that what we believe is craziness. What we believe is craziness. Um, we believe that unless you profess faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that you are still in your sin and you will spend an eternity in hell apart from God. When without trusting in Christ and experiencing the Holy Spirit and being reborn into God's family, you'll never experience God or be in his kingdom and his forever kingdom. Now, we got to be cautious that in our vigor and our fervor for seeing people profess in Christ that we don't manipulate the situation. Um, Salvation cannot happen unless the Holy Spirit does the work of regeneration in someone's heart. So, for instance, I could walk out of here today, and if I wanted to, um, if I wanted to join a religion, if today I was like, you know what, I feel like being Buddhist, and I'm going to go find, you know, a, a local temple, and I'm going to, like, immerse myself in it, and I'm going to sign up, and I'll be like, I'm here, and, like, I could, I could become Buddhist. All right, now, now I am a Buddhist. If, if I wanted to be a Muslim and say, I, I'm now all in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change, I'm going to switch religion and I'm going to come and I'm going to show up, just tell me the things that I need to do. And now all of a sudden I am a Muslim or, or, or any other kind of religion or spirituality. Uh, you could do that. With Christianity, it doesn't work that way. Without the spiritual 
conversion of your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can act like a Christian, look like a Christian, walk like a Christian, and actually not be one. It's, it requires the, the Holy Spirit. Like I, I, and I can't like, I can't, can't give you a list or a checkbox for how you can become a Christian. Unless the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and stirs in your heart and makes you awake really to the reality of the gospel that you would want to give your life to Jesus Christ as, Christ as Lord. I, unless that happens, my hands are tied. I, I can't do that for you. It requires the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll read a few verses for you. Um, John 3, verse 5 and 6, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, speaking of human birth, physical birth, and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is just flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The 1 Corinthians 6.11 says this, And such were some of you, speaking of pre-Christ, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God which means the, the washing, the sanctification, the justification, big Bible words for meaning you experienced the gospel and your life was changed. It happens by the spirit of God. Titus 3, 5 says this, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, being a good person, showing up to church, doing all the good things, being a moral person. That's not how he saved us, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So scripture is clear that the work of salvation cannot be accomplished apart from the Holy Spirit, um, which means today no one enters the kingdom of God except for the, by the Holy Spirit. No one truly enters the spiritual family, the, the church of God, except by the, the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's the next one. Scripture is clear that the Holy Spirit indwells be believers at the moment of salvation through faith. So scripture is clear that um, at the moment of faith, at the moment of decision where you feel the Lord is stirring and pulling in you to trust him and to give your life to Christ. And when you respond to the gospel in faith, I mean, you give your life to Christ in that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells you at the moment of salvation. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I love what Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14 says. In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, when that happened, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Received the Holy Spirit and received that seal of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says this, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit and our hearts as a guarantee. Given us his spirit as a seal, which means at the moment of faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. Now here's the, the next affirmation. Scripture is clear. Believers should eagerly desire and pursue the gifts, the, feeling, the filling, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Scripture is clear that we should be eager about this, that we should pursue God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, his filling, his empowerment, his his operating in us, his, the way that he lives in us. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says this, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And in this context, he says, especially that you may prophesy. 
Paul says, you, gotta be, you should be earnestly pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. He'll say later, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. And can I ask you just a question? I kind of like feel in the moment. Do you ever earnestly desire the Holy Spirit in your life? Yes. Yes. Like, is that even a desire? Like, is that even on your radar? Like, do you even care? Like, even throughout the day, like, is, is like, do you want, even want the Holy Spirit? Like, you even... That's why I kind of have to ask the question is like, like, do you have the Holy Spirit? Um, you know, that's, I, I just, I just think for, it's too easy for not, not even to be on our radar. Um, check a box, do the Jesus thing. I'm going to heaven and I'm fine. And I'm gonna live my life how I want to live it. Um, that's not the way that. That's not the abundant life that Jesus would have for you. That's not the way that he would want you to live and operate. He wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. Paul would say in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk and intoxicated with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In a similar way that alcohol, when you have alcohol that begins to get in your bloodstream and it begins to intoxicate your body and it begins to control your body, Paul uses that same metaphor. He must not be Baptist. He uses that same metaphor for how the Holy Spirit is. That was, that was funny, wasn't it, Pastor Chris? <laughs> That's, um, but he uses the same metaphor um, for how the Holy Spirit can uh, exist in, in your life as well. Um, and gosh, we could, oh, we, there's so, so many different directions we could go here. Galatians chapter five, the way that you kind of know that the Holy Spirit is in you and that you are filled with the Spirit is that he says in Galatians five that you have the, the Spirit present in the fruit the evidence of the kind of spirit in, in your life in, in your actions. And Paul would say that you're, the fruit is kind of either the fruit of the flesh or it's either the fruit of the spirit. Um, and we need to, to recognize that nobody in the room, by the way, does a perfect job of walking in the fullness of the Holy spirit, by the way. Um, but our pursuit and our daily heart should be, I'm going to walk in the spirit. And here's what happens when the Holy spirit is in you and you walk in the Holy spirit is he begins to intoxicate you kind of just like the drink did. He becomes to control you. And then you never thought that you could ever forgive that person. And all of a sudden you feel this inward desire where you can forgive somebody. You, you feel this in, inward desire that you've never had before to actually give generously to somebody that you don't know to help meet a need. You got this inward a desire to love someone that has a different skin color than you and maybe votes different than you and maybe looks different than you and maybe lives on the other side of town than you. And all of a sudden you've got something in your spirit that creates a love for that person that is different uh, than you. Um, and now you're, a, now somehow you became a patient person and somehow you became a forgiving person and somehow you became a long-suffering person and a faithful person and a goodness person all these things are fruit of of the spirit in your in in your life um that's the holy spirit in in us and so it's very clear that we should earnestly pursue the holy spirit in in our lives and not live a life devoid of the spirit but walk full in the spirit amen amen, amen. now here, here's the next one here's kind of the last affirmation um, scripture is both descriptive and prescriptive. Everything described in the Bible is not meant to be prescribed. So we read amazing things in, in the Bible that are unbelievable. I mean, all sorts of different kinds of stories and things that happen in the Bible. And some things are 
prescribed, meaning there are commands, there are things that do this. These are commands that we must do. And some things are not prescribed, they're just described. They're describing events that happen and things that, that happen. And we, we gotta be careful that we recognize that what is scripture commanding of us and let's walk out the commands of Jesus. And then whatever we see from the stories and the things that are happening that are true of the church, maybe we need to learn from those things. Everything isn't necessarily meant to be uh, mimicked or to be copied. So for instance, um, like Enoch in the old Testament being ascended, um, into heaven through a chariot of fire. Don't let that be your expectation this afternoon. Okay. That's probably not gonna happen or Jonah being swallowed up by a great fish, probably not meant to be copied by you or, um, or Jesus feeding the 5,000. If somebody does that, let me know. Okay. That's like, Next level, okay? But you, probably that's not the expectation that you're going to do that. Or, or even as we're going to read today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, today's Pentecost Sunday, actually, in, in the church calendar. Um, in just a couple of weeks, we're actually going to be diving into the Pentecost story from these early Christians. And in some ways, um, that isn't necessarily meant to be mimicked and copied um, and that we're supposed to experience the, the exact same thing because that was a, a special, um, unique moment, though that we can, should and we should learn from that. Even things in the New Testament, like um, Peter's shadow healing the sick. We're never kind of commanded to do that, but the apostles had this amazing ability to do that. And that could happen. It might happen, but we're not commanded that that has to be the expectation for us. Um, And other things that um, we just need to recognize that not everything that is described in the Bible is also prescribed. Now, um, people that aren't on board with the Holy Spirit, they use that as a scapegoat. Like, we don't have to do any of that stuff, you know, because, no, 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 there needs to be a healthy recognition that um, if there was some things in the early church that the way that the church functioned and operated, there's some things that we need to learn and we probably should, should figure out how to get in line with what God was doing then and also see what he is doing now. So let me, let me, um, let me, let me, let me end with, with this. Um, So Ethan, Pastor Ethan, what, what, what does all this mean? Um, let let me, let me end with this. Um, we want to be a church. Let's, let's, let's just ask a few questions. Um, are we a Pentecostal church? Are we a charismatic church? Um, do we do the tongues thing? Do we do the prophecy thing? And do we, uh, do we believe in healing and, um, all those, what are, what are, what are we, Pastor Ethan? Um, it kind of depends on how you define those things. Um, let me use my own definitions. Um, here's, 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 here's my heart. Um, God is doing amazing things in and through the world today. Um, God is um, moving mightily and powerfully in the world right now um, through many Christian groups around the world. Um, the Pentecostal movement right now is is, is amazing what God's doing through those who are part of the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement. If you're like, I have no clue what he's talking about. That's okay. Um, but churches and movements and groups of people that are very keen on the Holy spirit and pursuing the Holy spirit and seeing the Holy spirit move in. And they're actually seeing many things that are very similar to the early church. Uh, every group has some abuses, even, even groups that we would resonate and things that we would participate in. Um, so exactly what, what are we, it's kind of two options out there. Um, 
Uh, some churches, some Christian movements are they're a church of the word. It's the word, 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 it's the word. Teaching, and this is what we need, and this is, this is all we need, and church of the word. Um, the other churches is the church of the spirit. We're spirit, 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 spirit. We might get to this occasionally, but we're spirit, 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 spirit. Um, what are we? Conveniently, we're both. Um, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the hope. That's kind of the goal. Are we a church of the word? Yeah. Are we a church of the spirit? Yeah, we are. Um, and I just want you to know, I'm going to speak this over us. We're a church of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are a church of the... Exactly. Um, um, why it hits me like that? But I do think it is the Spirit of God. Um, um, and and I, I want you to know that um, I love the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I personally. Um, try to walk in the spirit ask my wife you can catch me on bad days um, but um, but I do my I do my very best to, to walk in the spirit um, because I love the Lord um, um, and I love the Holy Spirit and I, I, I love I love the experience of my life when I am full of the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Um, and so I, I just want you to know, church, that we, um, uh, we're a church where the Holy Spirit moves in and through us mightily. Um, I think there's more. I think there's more. I think there's more to experience being a church on the move. I don't think we're there yet, um, but I do think that we're a church where the Holy Spirit moves. I, I, I know because I hear from you. Um, I can't tell you how many dozens of times I've heard people say, uh, first time I ever showed up to the bridge, I got out of the car in the parking lot and started walking up and some sensation hit me. Um, people in community groups, people in relationship, people seeing the Holy Spirit move miraculously through, uh, through the gifts, through the miraculous gifts. We experience healing at, at the bridge. We experience deliverance at the bridge. We experience uh, prophetic words and speaking and receiving and um, um, I wasn't necessarily going to end this way, but um, uh, to be a church on the move. 
We don't need to fear the Holy Spirit. There doesn't need to be caution there. We need to we don't be cautious with God. You know, let's be a little let's be a little cautious over here with God. No, there's nothing to fear with the Holy Spirit. He's He's in us and He's He's full in us and um, maybe just a relaxing of your shoulders a little bit, just a little relaxing and recognizing that uh, the Holy Spirit is is here. He's present and He's. He's in our church and he's moving and, um, and we're going to be a church of the spirit um, that walks in the spirit and sees people receive the Holy Spirit. So today, um, the question that I began with, uh, do you have the Holy Spirit? Um, and I just want to say, uh, maybe afterwards, if you're not exactly sure how to answer that question, we'd love to talk with you and pray over you. We'll even lay hands on you and ask that you'd receive the Holy Spirit in this moment and today. Um, if you're not sure about that, we'd love to be able to do that with you. Um, don't just be an empty corpse. Don't just be a physical walking corpse, but be an alive, spiritually alive body and person that walks in the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, today we're uh, so grateful for your word and I I'm grateful for what you're doing in me. Um, I'm grateful for what you're doing in our church and in this, in this moment, in this season. And we do, Father, want to be a, a church in many ways similar to the early church in this book of Acts. And we want to, but regardless of the early church in Acts, uh, we just want to be what you want us to be. And so um, let, us, let us be what you want us to be. And um, Father, we're open, open hands uh, for you to, to move and to work however you would want to work in us. And so we say this in Christ's name. Amen.